Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. To my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. It's a big show for Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we have a guest today. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, we have a, you know, we, it's kind of like... The guest we have, it, it's a lot of like he's very similar to our style of of uh, baseball content. Not in terms of what we do, we don't make you know twelve minute videos and breakdowns and stuff, but in terms of what we dive into, what our interests are, um, and how we view baseball as a whole, very very similar. So we were excited to have him. It's uh, Foolish Baseball, um, also known as Bailey. Uh, it's his real name. Um, I think Bailey Freeman's his full name, but it, that's that's been pub- that's been publicized out Doxed. there. We're not, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're not, we're not uh, giving out govs without permission um, regarding his name, but uh, but yeah, awesome to have on, him on. We already did the interview uh, before the uh, before we're recording this part now, so uh, good stuff. Uh, so really excited about it. Yeah, no, he was a lot of fun. We talked about uh, you know, some some of the origins into his channel and the process that he goes by and making his baseball vets. And also, of course, uh, we dove into some dead ball era topics because yes. I mean, the dead ball era is what well, it just, it's such a fun thing to get into. Yeah. And it's so amazing that like so much of it was tracked statistically. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that, you know, we talked a bit, little bit about the union association during it. The fact that they kept all those stats, for the Union Association at in, some point. In the year 1884. In the year 1884, where uh, no one really had an, any interest in the league, but they they were still able to find that uh, Fred D- Dunlap hit 412 with a 1069 OPS in a in a league that had a 588 league OPS. They had to have like questioned the reality of that season when they first found it, right? True. <laughs> I think They're like, so. They, they just made this guy up. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's a creative player. <laughs> that's for sure. Um but yeah, so uh we will uh we will not keep you waiting any longer as uh here we have our interview with Foolish Baseball, Pulse. aka Foolish Base Foolish Bailey. <laughs> Featuring uh my how about that for this episode and Chris is slightly alarming. Yes, uh we uh, yeah, we have a how about that and a slightly alarming uh in in this, and he has a how about that and a slightly alarming along with it. So our second how about that and slightly alarming uh, guest, how about that and slightly alarming, which was very cool to have uh, a little bit of analysis on um, who who's he who he's highlighting um, to start the year out. So yeah, here's our uh, interview with Foolish Baseball, aka Foolish Bailey. <laughs> All right, so um, if you don't know who uh, the man is on the screen, I don't believe you. You have we have uh, Mr. Uh, Bailey from Foolish Baseball here. You may know him from his YouTube channel, uh, Foolish Baseball, from his Twitter, or from his 
other YouTube channel, Foolish Bailey. Uh, how you doing, Bailey? I'm doing great. Season has just been going swimmingly so far, I think. So, you know, these rule changes are really making uh, a better product for the fans to watch on the field. So I'm just ecstatic at the state of Major League Baseball right now. It's definitely been a weird adjustment because the first weekend I was watching all the West Coast games and I was like, wait, they're done at 1230. Right. Yeah. Like, what I can do you actually mean? See what do you mean? Them? I'm not staying up to 1 a.m. to watch baseball every night. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's weird because you have the four o'clock games and it's usually overlap into the seven o'clock games. And now that's not even there's like this weird, weird sort of gap between them. Yeah, it's it's very, very odd. Um, so, you know, obviously you have the, uh, the foolish, the, yeah, the foolish baseball channel, uh, it started, um, it started as out of the park, uh, as a, as a thing on, for out of the park, then you got into baseball bits, which, uh, you came known for. And I heard that it started as an argument with, a, with, uh, someone on the internet or people on the internet. Uh, what was like the origin of that argument and was there any follow-up on um, on what that ended up being? Right. Well, like, like all good things, uh, Baseball Bits was born out of uh, getting mad on the internet. Uh, that's mm -hmm. where most good ideas have come from lately is because you got mad on the internet. Now, it wasn't like I was actively participating in an argument, um, but what was happening is that the first episode of Baseball Bits I made was about this uh, what was at least perceived to be like one of the worst calls an umpire had ever made uh, in MLB history. It was uh, Jerry Meals at home plate in the 19th inning, a sliding in uh, Julio Lugo, and it just seemed like the throw beat him by a mile, and it did. Uh, the question was simply whether the tag was or was not applied. And I just sort of seen this narrative grow where anytime there was any sort of discussion, uh, whether it be on Twitter or on Reddit, like, oh, what's the worst, you know, call umpires ever made? It was like a battle between that and maybe like the Armando Galarraga, which is actually an awful call, or like the Don uh, Denkinger, like 1985 World Series call, like that's a terrible call, you know, and I just didn't feel like it deserved that treatment at all because we were discussing like, you know, whether a tag is applied or not. I mean, we're talking about like millimeters of difference, you know, between a glove touching your pant leg and, and not. So that was, I basically sought to like, uh, in my mind, like correct the narrative to some degree and just show people, hey, it's not a discussion of whether the throw beat Julio Lugo. It obviously did. It's whether the tag was applied. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it from like the main home plate angle, like what you just saw, you know, during the game in real time, it looked like an obvious out call. Uh, and in the moment, you know, it, it's understandable that there'd be outrage over the call being safe. But yeah, when you look into it more, it is a lot more questionable. Yeah, absolutely. And this, you know, and and that's a call that was often cited, you know, this was in the uh, the few years leading up to instant replay review. And the irony of it is that I think if that call was given the scrutiny of instant replay review, it wouldn't have been reversed. And I think maybe even the the Alec Bohm home play home plate play uh, from, I guess, a couple of years ago now you know, is, is proof of that, right. That, that it would have to be just so clear and obvious that, that in order to reverse it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if they, if they ended up looking co closely, it might've been one of those uh, inconclusive calls that we see very often. Um, so yeah, so that, so, and, and for context, if people uh, weren't known what we talked about, um, Bailey made a video about 
July, I think it was July 26 or technically July 27, 2011, mm -hmm. when uh, it ended up uh, being a 19 inning game. Julio Lugo, uh, rest in peace, Julio Lugo uh, um, came into home, throw beat him, but he was called safe. And, you know, it was an analysis of why it may not have been an obvious call. Um, so with baseball bits, you also do a lot of, you know, statistical analysis. You use a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, statistics, you know, that are evolving and relative to the modern game that maybe not, not a lot of uh, that, you know, the casual fan might not know of. Um, what has been your evolution with like understanding baseball statistics? Because everyone starts with, you know, average home runs, RBI, and then they kind of move on and they figure their way out. Uh, how did you make that sort of jump? Yeah, I'd always been like a sports almanac kid. Like I remember having like big, like, thick annual like total baseball and it would just have all the leaderboards of any stat you could imagine whether it be the previous seasons or career and so you know I had a pretty good idea of what the career home run leaderboards looked like or who had the best career averages or things like that and um, around the time when I was probably 12 or 13 I read Moneyball and Moneyball is I think for many people like uh, the, the moment when sabermetrics started to go mainstream, it was no longer something that was discussed on, uh, you know, proto forums, like on the internet, like, uh, uh, rec sport baseball, which is where you get like baseball reference and baseball prospectus and all those places are born from that movement. And now it's entered the mainstream. And, uh, and I, I always loved stats in baseball, but that type of book, uh, kind of made me reprioritize. So, so now I didn't care as much, you know, what the batting average leaderboards look like. I want to know who had the best on base percentage. And so it just kind of goes and evolves from there. And as you mentioned, my first videos were in the video game out of the park baseball, which is like a baseball management simulator type game. And, you know, because I had a, at least a decent, like foundational understanding of like baseball sabermetrics and what kind of things you should be looking for if you want to build a winning ball club. Uh, you know, I was able to use that to sort of gather up a very small audience of, of baseball nerds like myself. Uh, that's how I got my first few hundred subscribers so that when I eventually made that transition to baseball bits, which is what I'm known for now, you know, I still sort of had like that, like that basis to grow. Yeah, be honest. When was the last time you looked at the uh, the MLB RBI leaderboard? I, you know, if you, I mean, I'm sure Judge led last year. <laughs> I think it was like him and Alonso, but like it, beyond that, I have no clue. You know? Yeah, we yeah. had a segment on our show a while ago. We were talking about Alonso, and we were like, yeah, he had like six billion bajillion RBIs or something like that. <laughs> yeah, two. He had like between five and two hundred thousand million or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, somewhere in that range, I'm sure. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's sometimes, yeah. And sometimes you find yourselves in weird conversations with random people who sort of follow baseball and you're just in a weird place of like, okay, I got to let them know that RBI is opportunity based and not, not what they should be looking at. Um, well, it's, it, it's interesting too, when you find yourself in kind of like a trivia scenario and they're like, oh, Bailey knows baseball. This is great. And they'll be like, Hey, who won the batting title last year? And I'll be like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> All I know is who had the most F4. <laughs> it's very funny um one one question i have because i do a lot of similar research i write um you know similar kind of analysis to what you do with baseball bits but what is your process of 
kind of hatching an idea for your next, you know, deep dive? Like, do you go in looking for something? You want to know this, the answer to this question, or do you kind of just like derp around on baseball savant and you're like, oh, this is cool. I could do something about this. Yeah, definitely the definitely the second one for sure. Um <laughs> it, there I have like a pretty natural curiosity when it comes to baseball stats. Even if I wasn't a content creator, I'd still be, as you said, derping around on, on baseball savant or fan graphs mm-hmm. or what have you. So and uh, eventually you just come across like interesting outliers. Um, and so that's where a lot of my video ideas are born from. They, these are outliers. And I try to like keep a decent amount of variety. So I might do a and I might say, okay, I want to do a video about a team next, or I want to do a video about like a season versus like a stretch of games versus like one game or something like that. Uh, or maybe I do, you know, my most recent video is a good example of this, did a video about like 1920s and 30s baseball. So, um, you know, generally I just look for outliers and I also try to like keep things fresh. So I wouldn't want to do it so that like every single video is about just like one player, for example. Yeah, what's like your favorite thing that you've just found on accident? Probably like the the the, the best one that like in terms of like leading to a video is probably like the Rod Barajas video, uh, the catcher who can't throw, and and it's it's actually maybe even seeing a, a surgence, a resurgence in relevance just with uh, the way some of these uh, catchers are having trouble uh, controlling the the running game now in 2023 with the larger bases. Um, yeah, that, that's just that discovery just, wow. Here's a guy who had like a awful, awful season. I think it was something like 96 stolen bases allowed versus like four or five caught stealing or something awful like that. And then to see that idea, like evolve into, well, you know, the catcher can only do so much if, if the organization's policy is to not control the run game at all and to simply focus on executing pitches. So yeah, in, t- in terms of like discovery, that that definitely stands out. That's maybe my favorite video I've made still to this day. Right, right. Um, and going back to the, uh, you know, advanced stats and trying not to be on an island. Um, what I'm curious about is, you know, obviously you have a large following, a lot of views. How, you know, how do you make sure that everyone knows, uh, everyone understands what you're talking about? Maybe they came into a video not knowing what Wager Drones Created Plus was. Um, how do you make sure to keep everybody on the same page uh, in a video like that? That you know, that is one of the biggest challenges I face. You know, if I like weighted runs created plus or OPS plus, you know, the thing about YouTube is you want to grow, right? So the people who are subscribed to me, they already know that. But the people I really should be appealing to if I want to grow is the people who aren't subscribed to me. And maybe this is the first foolish baseball video they've ever watched. And maybe this is the first time they've been exposed to this type of baseball thinking. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I have a great answer to that it's just it's it's difficult because I have to be really cognizant while I'm writing the video. What's the experience going to be like for a, a, a long time viewer of the channel, but also a first time viewer of the channel. So I kind of have to put myself in, in the viewer's shoes because at the same time, like. If you're a, a you know a longtime subscriber of mine and you're familiar with these stats, you can be like, yeah, 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 we get it, Bailey. 100 is average. You know, you've said it a billion <laughs> times. Like, why do you keep saying it? This is just like dumb filler. So it's it's a tough. It really is kind of a tightrope act. You know, you're just trying to get it to 10 minutes so you can get that ad revenue. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, what's really good is if it was like 160. That would be really good. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now RBI. That's when a player. Uh, Drives in a run is uh, right. RBI, exactly. If you, uh, if you weren't familiar. 
Now, this team won 107 games to win a game in baseball. <laughs> yeah, you must outscore the opponent. <laughs> the way you score called runs. runs. They, they call them points in other sports, but in baseball, it's a run. <laughs> Basically, you hit the ball, and then you run, and then the other guys have to try to get you out. Did you know when you hit a home run, it you score a run, but you also get an RBI for yourself? You know? <laughs> Yeah, just explaining the basic rules of completely right. baseball. Analyzing and everything. meanwhile, they've already clicked on Mr. Beast like within three seconds. They're like, oh, yep. Mr. Beast gave away an island. Why am I watching this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned you know, your last uh, video wasn't quite, you know, it was tw- 1920s and 1930s, uh, which is the beginning of the live ball era. Of course, the dead ball era ended in 1919. What a time it was. You just had to be there. Um, Chris and I have have done a lot of you know deep diving into the the dead ball era. You know we're big fran- fans of you know the classics, the Fred Dunlap eighteen eighty four legendary season. You know Al Spalding and his crazy win percentage. What are you know you do a lot of coverage on the dead ball era, both in baseball bits on your Twitter. What is the like the most fascinating parts to you about that era of baseball? I think it it, it you know and I don't. Dunlap may be a good example of this, but it's like when players emerge and they have like these outrageous seasons and then they don't even reach 10 years in professional baseball and like don't have hall eligibility. Ross Barnes, like at the very onset in the 1870s of, of I guess what you could call like the professional era is like a really interesting example of that. So th- those definitely stand out. And then I think the like uh, I love the park factors in, in <laughs> that era as well, like like Baker Bowl. There's just always like absolute nonsense going on so uh I'm a, I'm a big fan of that as well i remember chris and i went to cooperstown a couple of years ago and we saw a picture of a like a dead ball era ballpark where it was like looked like it was like 450 down the lines and like 600 to center field and we were like man i wonder why no one hit home runs back then yeah exactly and and there's so much more variance than there is today i mean I, there's still a big difference between the dimensions of a great American ballpark or, you know, like AT&T, but it's not anything like it was back in the dead ball era days. Yeah. And it's great to see um, with this uh, raised streak, you, I keep seeing 1884 St. Louis Maroons on the, uh, on these lists of like, you know, uh, 13 consecutive games, four plus runs. It's <laughs> the St. Louis Maroons thing is, is so funny to me because yeah, like, they went 94 and 19 in the union association and then uh and then the Unis- union association disbanded and they went to the nl and they just got crushed yeah exactly <laughs> and it's so funny that union that's still like uh, a lowercase like major league you know yeah 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 it is yeah. um and the american association right because yeah, <laughs> so for content daniel and i are um sports journalism majors so we have different classes and one of them well, then we basically had to make a blog, which, you know, it's it's not, this is what we're going to college for. But we made a blog, and one, mine was about the dead ball era, so I did a whole thing about the Union Association. And Fred Dunlap, he had that, he had a 256 OPS plus, then he went to the NL and never accumulated more than, like, 123 or something. And it was it just, he could never, and, and it's still considered, like, oh, MLB history, even though, even though, like, half the teams folded in the middle of it. It's wild. Yeah, there's a, um, and I think you can find it on the baseball Reddit still probably. It did a few years ago. Someone did an out of the park baseball 
They did what if Mike Trout played in the Picos League, which the Picos <laughs> League is like the lowest level indie ball they have in that game. And he that was those were the type of numbers he was putting up. And he did it for like 25 it's years. Outstanding. It's also just yeah. so funny going to like the main page of StatHead and seeing like the top OPS plus seasons. And it's like Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Fred Dunlap, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It that that always always fascinated me. Um Going back to um, your content, I was recently fascinated by a certain video with a certain pitcher who averages about 98 on his fastball, who also has a deep knowledge of indie music, which I was just, it's crazy that that's the same human being. <laughs> um, how did the Spencer Strider ranking of the Strokes discography idea come about? Well, so Spencer, it's weird. He um he like messaged me like a really thoughtful message on twitter it was like after he got drafted so i didn't really know that much about him i was like oh cool the braves drafted this guy in like the fifth round out of clemson awesome he had tj when he was in college i'll wonder what he'll become and then within a year of that he was in the big leagues he rocked it through like every level of the minors and then a year after that he was one of the best pitchers in major league baseball so he's he's a real one for sure uh but yeah as far as like reaching out to him about that i i read in the athletic um that that was kind of his thing like on spencer strider start days he listens to the strokes which means the whole clubhouse has to listen to the <laughs> strokes and i believe he actually for his most recent start against the padres showed up in a those strokes t-shirt uh to the ballpark so i was like okay this is great i'll I'll ask him if he wants to come on and talk about the strokes. And then that kind of evolved into, Hey, let's rank the strokes discography. And he just goes, he, he messaged me. He goes, Oh yeah, I already did that. I have like a whole spreadsheet with my buddy and I'm like, wait, <laughs> what, wait, what can we, can we, can we talk about that instead? You know, and we can talk about the strokes too, but let's, let's hold on, hold your horses here, Spencer. Like you're telling me you have a spreadsheet that's color coded with like 200 plus albums. He had been waiting for you years. to say that for so long. I know he or somebody to say it right No, I guess, what does that say about the beat reporters in Atlanta? You know, like someone at some point would have had to ask him. And I guess I got the scoop on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like over at least over 150 albums judged on like, I don't know. It was like, music album music art quality, impact album yeah, yeah yeah it was pretty crazy i think it is very funny that like the two you know big collabs that you've done with pitchers where it's like you talked to lucas giolito talked about pitching and you know like how he is on the mound and then spencer strider nothing related whatsoever at all right yeah that's a very good point and yeah. it's an interesting position for me because a lot of these like content creators like have like form pretty strong relationships with MLB players. And for me, it's just like, it's just me and like, I just have like a few knuckleheads, like they're all pitchers and they're all pretty cool. And we're just kind of buds, you know? So that's about it. It's like, yeah, uh, Lucas and Spencer, and those are my guys, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, on to, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, messaged you before this, um, to see if, you know, you wanted to prep it all. Um, I know for, for us, each episode we point out um, an under-the-radar player that's been doing well as of late and a higher-profile guy that's been not doing well as of late. Um, we have names for the segment. It's called, One of them, The uh, when players are doing good, it's a how about that. And for reference, um, I would, I'll, just show, I'll just share my screen on um, the reference for it, but it, it comes Did from... Did you find the picture? I uh I found yeah I found uh 
it's just so it's very 1960s um it comes from a 1965 Dodgers game. 22nd uh, time this season. Can I read it? That's yes. the 22nd time this season. Sandy has fanned 10 or more batters this season. How about that? Yeah. So we so it's Koufax, I presume. Yes. No, okay. I'd say it's Alcantara. It's Alcantara. 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 Wow. Well, yeah. good for him. And, yeah. Uh, at Chavez Ravine in 1960. You wonder why he throws 225 innings a season. It's because he was around in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Was, he's still, he's like, just when that was like arm. below the league average. Yeah. But, uh, they, so, yeah, anytime a player's doing good, it's a how about that. Um, it, I just randomly happened upon uh, upon that. And then uh, when a player's doing bad, it's a slightly alarming. That's a longer story, but it's. It also has nothing to do with baseball at has all. has nothing to do with baseball. But um, <laughs> on to our question for you uh, Who is a player under the radar? who you've seen uh, been popping off uh, this this season. Chris Bubich in Kansas City. What's happening? He looks <laughs> incredible right now. He, this is a guy, and he's part of this, like, Kansas City Royals, like, youth movement that never really took off. They developed Singer, and that was it. Jackson Cower, uh, Kowar, uh, you know, and then Bubich, and all, like, none of these guys have, ever looked good at the major league level and then this year i mean he's had it's two starts he looks incredible like the shape of his pitches is totally different he's getting like way more movement way more velo i just looked at i was just out of curiosity on fangrass i was looking at oh who has like the best swinging strike rates among the stars in mlb at least with the guys who have two starts so far because we're about two trips to the rotation now and first is Degrom, obviously second is chris bubich and i it's it's unbelievable, like a total transformation. Like he may just be a beast now, you know? So I'm going to say Chris Bubich, uh, pitcher for the Kansas City Royals is my, how about that? All right, Chris Bubich. That's uh, Tom Hamilton, if you were uh, if you were curious. Very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had uh, what, six shutout innings with nine Ks yesterday against the Giants? Yeah, and like three hits or something like that. Like yeah, he's, he he's a- pretty unreal right now. He had a pretty decent outing there in uh, his first home start of the year. Or no, wait, it was on the road. He's for the Royals. His yeah. first road start of the year. Yeah, we we might briefly dive into into our ours for this week, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so my, my how about that for this week is Brian Anderson of the Milwaukee Brewers. Ooh. He had himself quite a week, and he's having himself quite a stretch to begin this year. He is slashing, my, by the way, my analysis is a little more... Uh, <laughs> I guess like research oriented, but uh, he's slashing 370, 486, 741 for a 1226 OPS and a 225 OPS plus for the season. All of those rank in the top 13 among the 199 qualified hitters across the majors. And it was also the first nine game stretch in his career, which he debuted in 2017. So he's been going about six years strong now, where he's had seven plus walks and an OPS above. 1225 in any nine game stretch. Uh, yeah, six of his 18 batted balls so far this year have been barrels, and that gives him a 33.3% barrel rate, which is completely normal and will be sustained throughout the season. Um, it is the fifth highest among the 234 hitters with at least 10 batted balls and at least one barrel. Uh, throughout his career, he has never had an outside swing percentage above or below 28%. And in 2023, so far, it is at 24.7%. So he is chasing less. And thanks to that, he is a 20% walk rate. So he's taking a lot more pitches, you know, having making better swing decisions, and he's walking a lot more. 
Uh, 50% of his batted balls have been up the middle straight away, which is obviously better this year because, you know, no shift. The batted balls of the middle are going to be a little more friendly towards hitters. Uh, anyway, he's one of 36 hitters to have at least half of their batted balls be up the middle. And on those batted balls, he is hitting 750, slugging 1875, which is a year. And he has a Woba of 971. Each of those rank in the top three among the 310 hitters with at least 10 batted balls. So that is my analysis on Brian Anderson. Yeah, so Brian Anderson. I'll probably do, I'll do, we'll get into your, uh, guy that you're slightly alarmed with and i'll do mine uh afterwards yeah. so uh who is someone who's a bit higher profile that you were concerned with um so far this season yeah it's interesting because i feel like he gathered up such a high profile and i was really hyped for him going into this year but uh anthony santander uh for the baltimore orioles and look there's guys there's a ton of guys who have way worse slash lines than him right now like i'm not really you know, at this point in the season to be concerned about someone's, you know, on base percentage when that can be so driven by Babbitt or something like that, it seems a little bit early. And that's why I really liked, uh, enjoyed what you did there, Daniel. You brought in the swing metrics. So I'm going to give you some some swing decision metrics from uh, from Anthony Santander, who, by the way, had a massive World Baseball Classic. Looked like he was just going to have a big-time season this year. Uh, his O swing, uh, 35% last year, now up to 45% that you don't want to see that that's without any significant change in, in the Z swing. That's how much you swing in the zone. So he's just chasing way more. Um, his contact is also significantly down. He went from 80% last year. Now he's at 73%. And when he's hitting the ball, he's crushing it. But, uh, right now, you know, he's, he's 32.5 on the strikeout rate, just his 7.5 for the walk rate. I think he can, he's a really good hitter and I think he can turn it around, but that's got me thinking that some of the gains he made in plate discipline, you know, dating back to last season when he had his, this great, like full season for Baltimore might've, you know, might have to pump the brakes on that a little bit, at least in the early goings of this season. Yeah. Anthony Santander. Slightly alarming. Yeah, slightly alarming. Yeah, slightly alarming. A very appropriate name for nine games into the season. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't want to, you know, we're not on till it's like a, you know, a DEF CON one type deal. Right. It's yeah, just no. that it's slightly alarming. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not, uh, digging up, uh, gravestones in the, after the first nine games of the year. Sometimes we do though, but that's very occasionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and yeah, he was someone cause, yeah, we, he he was one of your five hitters to like on um right yeah on the foolish Bailey channel and yeah I I looked him up after and I was like oh he's consistently like below twenty percent strike rate strikeout rate and like above ten percent walk rate which plays really well and if he's chasing a lot of pitches that that's uh not a great sign um so my slightly alarming I think I think anyone who's watched any Blue Jays games would understand uh this guy but Brandon Belt. In uh, six games, he's one for 23 with a 207 OPS and 15 strikeouts and 25 plate appearances, uh, which is a 60% strikeout rate. Out of 274 qualified hitters on StatCast, his 119 expected Woba, 096 expected slugging, and 061 expected batting average all rank last out of 274. Um, his whiff rate is 35.5%, and uh, he has swung at six sliders and whiffed at five of them. So that's been really uh troubling him so brandon belt is my uh slightly alarming so yeah that's that's our players to highlights it's second time we've had a guest uh players to highlight segment which is 
very honored to have you uh, be part of that for sure. Um, and yeah, so the, that's the um, second to last thing we'll get into. And the last thing we'll get into is the question we ask uh, every single uh, every single guest that we have on. So Bailey, if you could obtain all of these StatCast data from any baseball player in history pre-2015, who would you go with? I guess it would have to be Bonds, right? Like that he's he's recent enough that his skills would still be applicable to uh, today's game. And yeah, it's just what's what's the barrel rate looking like? What's the uh, what's the chase rate looking like? What's the um? Because this was he was pre pitch tracking as well pre two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, and then what's you know what's what's max exit velo and average exit velo? So I'd, I would have to go with Bonds. The is the what's funny is the like the first few words of that question. Like as I was before, I'd really had time to think about it my i was thinking oh yeah satchel page for sure that's that's so, what i thought you were going to go with that's literally yeah. what i thought you were going to go with yeah so but then i'm, I'm gonna have to go with bonds i think that's that a good option. answer there are so many good answers to that question my favorite thing is i never like the the normal follow-up to that question would be what do you want to see i've never had to ask that question and everyone gets right into it you're like yeah bonds i want to see the barrel right the swing decisions you know all that fun stuff uh well one of my favorite things or least favorite things uh, the video, I mean, I don't know if you've ever found it. There's no video for Barry Bonds breaking the all-time walks record. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's huh. it's like the biggest mystery that Chris and I really want to dig up someday. Yeah, um, it's because it's because they're anti-metrics. They don't care about walks. Yeah, they they only care about hits, home runs, all that stuff. I mean, we I, mean all... I was I was a kid. I was definitely a baseball fan when that happened, but I don't remember any fanfare. You know. <laughs> there should have been yeah yeah no one no one cares about that no one cares about ted williams uh 84 game on base streak everyone cares about the hit streak yeah i think we we're what we're trying to do at above replacement radio is is raise awareness on those uh on those on those big issues of the world what always kind of stuck in my craw a little bit was like that um because this is like a traditional stat that counting stat that people should care about, but I feel like no one cares that each row is like the single season hit record holder and that he broke George Sisler's record. And it which at the time was like 80 years old or something like that. Like when bonds broke the single season home run record, that record was like three years old. And, you know, mm-hmm. before that it was like 48 years old or 47 years old. Each row broke record that was like 70, 80 years old. And it's hits. It's not like some, it's yeah. not, you know, an on-base streak or anything. It's, or, you know, it's hits. People care about hits, you know? Right. Yeah, that that is interesting. I think part of it might be that, like, people are sort of unfamiliar with, like, who George Sisler is and also yeah. it's a St. Louis Browns player. Gosh, if like, it was Ty Cobb instead, maybe franchise. people would have loved it. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just listen, the St. Louis Browns, like they're an otherwise irrelevant franchise, but they had some guys like they had obviously George sure. Sittler, Uh They had Chris and I love the first 30, 30 season, which of course was 1922. Ken Williams. Nobody else did it until Willie Mays. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that nobody, one. Nobody remembers that. Yeah. No, we, we found that playing a Sporkle quiz. Yep. We had no idea. We, we had no idea who the guy was until we took the Sporkle quiz um but yeah it was like who's okay oh wow this guy really did it somebody did it in 1922 that's crazy yeah no yeah that is crazy it's wild um well yeah any anything else that was all i had yeah all right um awesome stuff uh a pleasure to pleasure to have you on really appreciated you um you know 
uh, taking the time and uh, giving us some good quality uh, content, maybe clicks, who knows, we'll see about it. Um, but yeah, really, uh, really happy to have you on. It's been a, been a pleasure. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Bailey. See y'all. See ya. And uh, that was our interview with Foolish Baseball, a.k.a. Foolish Bailey. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, that, you know, it kind of stands for itself. Really good stuff. Yeah, no, he was a lot of fun. Uh, very, very uh, open to coming on the show and, you know, just doing the damn thing. Yeah, I, yeah, like he's uh, very approachable. And, and uh, I mean, I was really surprised at how quickly he responded at, at uh, you know, us trying to uh, contact him and get him on the show. It was a very, very easy process, which I didn't think it would be, considering um, he must get a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of emails and and uh, people trying to contact him and get him on shows and whatnot. So, um, but he was really cool about everything. So, shout out to Foolish Baseball. Also, if you're not already subscribed on YouTube, uh, he's at, I believe two hundred ninety three thousand followers. So yeah, he's getting up to three hundred k soon. Very cool. I forgot to ask him about uh live dash Tesla. That oh when yeah. he got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe next time. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh but yeah. So now we have uh the current world of baseball to get into. Um talking about uh you know, in the last week we we haven't been together and talked uh on the show for a week. Um and there were a couple of extensions that were handed out. First one was Andres Jimenez for seven years and what was it? Was it over a hundred million? Mm, it might have been like just barely over. It might have been one oh six. Uh it was one oh six point five. Yeah. Andres Jimenez, um, who really made his mark last year, um, especially with baseball reference wins above replacement because they value defense a lot. Um, very good second baseman. He was acquired in the Francisco Lindor deal that sent Francisco Lindor to the Mets. And uh, he made an impression. He was an all-star. He also was sixth in the MVP last year, won a gold glove, um, while also posting a 140 OPS plus and stealing 20 bases. Uh, what did you think about this deal for, uh, you know, did it surprise you that it, Cleveland was able to do it? And, and uh, what did you think about the deal overall? For that price, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's an average annual value of about $15 million. Of course, it is, you know, simming a couple of years of arbitration. He might even still be pre-arb at this point. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's only gone through two years of service time. So his arbitration years would have started next year. Um, but otherwise, it buys out, what, four years of free agency plus a potential club option. So... Yeah. I think it's a very good signing for Cleveland. Uh, not going to lie, there there is just something that feels wrong about the Cleveland front office doing a good thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, like... Like, financial-wise. Like, trade-wise doesn't surprise me. They've been very good at trading for a long time. Um, you know, they got guys like Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, who we're talking about now, uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Classe, you know, Josh Naylor, uh, guys like that through trade. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me that, you know... They got a guy like Andres Jimenez in the first place, but you know to see him being locked up for a very long time and getting the good money that he deserves, it's uh it's a nice thing to see. Yeah, what what you need to know about Cleveland trades is 
they acquired Corey Kluber in a deal uh, to trade away Jake Westbrook. Uh, they had Corey Kluber for a good good amount of time where he was one of the best pitchers from 2014 to 2018, won two Cy Youngs in the process, and I think finished as a finalist a couple other times. Then they traded Corey Kluber uh, for Emmanuel Classe. Kluber pitched one inning with the Rangers. Emmanuel Classe is currently probably the best reliever in baseball. It's And everyone thought the Kluber trade was awful. Including us. In, very much including us. Yeah. We... <laughs> That was one of our. That was uh, in the f- first few months of us being a show, yeah. we slammed it and, and. Thankfully, thankfully that footage does not exist any longer. Yeah, but yeah. We're accountable. R.I.P. Periscope. Yeah. yeah. You can no longer uh, freezing cold take us. <laughs> um, or uh, yeah, old take exposed us. Uh, but yeah, this Except is we're instead we're just doing it to ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah, holding ourselves accountable. But yeah, and uh, I just looked on Baseball Reference. This also buys out uh, this year, so it buys out. Um, a pre-RB year and three yes. years of RB. So it's so it buys out three years of uh, of free agency plus a potential fourth year with the club option. Yeah, yeah. Um, so very interesting. It, it's it's a Cleveland move, and like these deals, I think are really good for teams um, when you're talking about these types of players that are very athletic, and I think probably do a little bit better when they're younger. Like like Jimenez, you know, he is a great defender, a great base runner. Uh, he doesn't necessarily rely on power, and he's obviously not a pitcher. Um, pitchers age differently than position players. So they're going to have this very athletic player for his entire 20s. And then, you know, if Cleveland remains how they are, he'll probably hit the free agent market at, um, you know, 31, 32. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And uh, try to get another deal there. Yeah, obviously this is a team-friendly deal like you mentioned, Chris. But it also doesn't really surprise me that Jimenez jumped on this deal. I don't know exactly how the negotiations worked. But, you know, I mean, he was coming off of his first, like, really good season. His first season where he was kind of proving to be a, you know, a sustainable player in the major leagues. And to be presented with that kind of money after, you know, after only that long, it's it, it can be hard to say no. Uh, yeah, especially with his tool set, you know, like he's not exactly the biggest power hitter. He does play very good defense, which is, uh, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to act like it's not sustainable, but sometimes, you know, there is question marks as to how, how much, how difficult it could be to replicate something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, like he, he had a, he had a crazy good, uh, defensive year as I dig a little deeper on, um, on the numbers. I know uh, it looks like defensive run saved wise, he um, he had 17 total, uh, 16 particularly at second base, which is where he had most of his innings. Uh, but that's really crazy. He had over seven B WAR and I think also near seven F WAR, um, which is you know harder to do when you're when you uh, do a lot on defense um, and not as much on offense. So yeah, and I mean coming off a career year and you know. How often is a uh, is a twenty four year old gonna deny over a hundred million dollars? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's good for both sides. I think Andre Andre has got uh, about market value uh, right money, especially considering like this is he's in a pre arb year still, yes. which he would be getting not more than a million dollars. Yeah, uh, I mean they're giving him one point five one point five million this year, right? Which is pretty close to what he'd be getting regardless maybe even exactly that right and like in even in first year arbitration you're getting maybe like half your value half your value as you would on the free agent market uh, in a single year then 
then second year arbitration, it's maybe like two thirds. And then thir- once you're at third year arbitration, you get about your full value for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like considering arbitration, obviously we've talked about this many times. Um, it's, it's not really a 15, they're not really saying, oh, if Jimenez was a free agent right now, he'd get $15 million a year. Yeah. If, if we're going to look at this through like the lens of the, his future career, what he essentially did was right now simmed his arbitration and signed a three-year $70 million contract. Yeah, that's... that's because he's getting $23 million a year uh, in 2027, 28, and 29 uh, yeah. before the club option takes over in 2030. That is... Uh, yeah, that's that's good for him, and yeah, he'll uh, very happy to um to do that. And I know the yeah the the Guardians sort of did this with um Jose Ramirez uh, yes. before the five year hundred twenty four million dollar deal. I know he had a smaller deal that was like seven years fifty million ish. I think he probably signed it earlier in his career, um, but you know he signed one of these deals. I think they might have had Kluber on one of these deals that sort of took him. T- you know, a little bit beyond free agency. So Cleveland does this and, and, you know, it works out for them. They don't have to pay a, a, a crazy amount um, or a really long deal that goes into their late thirties, but yeah, overall very good for both sides. Um, and the, uh, the other deal uh, came from San Diego. We're much more used to seeing them spend money. Um, but Jay Cronenworth got a, I think he got a seven-year deal as well. He got a. It's very funny seeing the players with guaranteed salaries page on the on the roster resource for the Padres and having to scroll all, like down for it. He got a uh, seven-year, eighty million dollar extension, and he's also at year three of service time. So he's buying out. Uh, it looks like not this year. It looks like it starts. Yeah, it next starts. Year. It starts in twenty twenty four. So he's buying out five years of free agency and simming the next two years of his arbitration and getting about twelve mil per year. Uh, beyond the RB years, so yeah. another pretty good deal for San Diego. You know, not obviously not the most money they've spent on a player, but yeah, you know they're keeping a player uh, for the long term future uh, in Jay Cronenworth, who's been pretty sustainable as a second baseman and you know just infielder, utility infielder for three years now, going on four. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think like you know a lot of takeaways from Padres contracts in the in the past six months have been wait, where do they have this money? You know, with the Bogarts extension, with the money they tried to give to Trey Turner and Aaron Judge, with the Darvish extension, the Machado extension. Uh, I don't think too much of that exists with the Cronenworth deal. You know, this is team-friendly and also good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, yeah, he's, you know, it signs him up to be a Padre for most of his career. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's already 29. Yeah, he came up already uh, a little bit on the – um, older side for, you know, someone coming up in the, in the majors. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, I think this, yeah, I, I agree. This is a really good deal for the Padres. Um, he put up, um, over four F4 in each of the past two years, uh, leading up to 2023. And in the, in his rookie year, um, he was a rookie of the year finalist, which was, uh, that was in 2020. Um, very consistent both offensively and defensively. Um, the Padres, he's, he's kind of like, you know, you, you've the past couple years you've been like, okay, uh, you know, maybe Machado's slumping, maybe, maybe he's not, maybe, uh, you know, Tatis is there, maybe he's not. I feel like Jake Cronenworth has always just kind of been around doing, doing his thing. And I mean, he, he's also been consistently healthy, you know, in 2020, he played uh, 54 games, which, 
which is out of 60. And then the last two years, 152 and 158. So he's been extremely reliable for the Padres the past couple of years. And uh, I, th- I think, yeah, he, he probably could have gotten more. Um, he could have, but also, I mean, when you see what the team has built, I mean, they're not building around Jake Cronenworth, but when you, but from his perspective, when you see what this team is building around you, it's hard to say no to staying here long term while also getting, you know, the generational wealth. And I mean, maybe he could have gotten more, but I mean, I don't think this is, you know, I don't think people are crying underpay for this one. No, yeah, and uh, you know, it it does buy out arbitration, yeah, as you mentioned, so it's going to be a little bit cheaper. Um, and for a guy that played over 500 minor league games, uh, you know, had to switch from being a pitcher to a position player, like he's had quite the coming up story, you know, to look at that money being put on the table for the next seven years. Again, it's hard to, to turn that down, especially right. when you're being put on a team that expects to contend through all of that. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, like, I don't think Jay Cronenworth wants to find himself at age 36 playing for uh, a 71 team. True. Uh, which, who knows, maybe that still might happen. But, you know, right now there's reason to believe he won't be doing that in San Diego. True. And, and yeah, I mean, this prevents him from going on the free agent market at age 32. Exactly. Um, which, you know, if, say, a ba- couple bad years happen, that's not a great market to be in. You know, there's not there's less teams willing to take a flyer out on you, um, or at least, you know, a long-term flyer out on you. Um, so yeah, him, you know, yeah, being able to get seven years and be basically a Padre for life. Um, that's, uh, that's, you know, I, it it also shows, yeah, he's probably buying it a little bit to this, uh, Padres organization and what they've been doing, um, you know, the past couple of years and what they're setting up for the next, you know, however many years, five, 10, uh, how, however, however long it may be, um, all right. Anything more on the uh, Cronenworth deal? Ah, no, not really. Anything else? Yeah. So those two extensions were handed out um, with uh, Andres Jimenez and Jake Cronenworth. Um, so there has been uh, one team really taking the uh, taking all the headlines over the past uh, over the past nine games as they are nine and zero. With a ridiculous run differential as well, was it eighty-one to something in the teens or something? Something crazy. Uh, <laughs> but the Tampa Bay Rays are nine and zero, um, and uh, they are outscoring their opponents seventy-five to eighteen. <laughs> what is what have you been your thoughts on the Rays so far this year? You know, you you just can't ever doubt this team like when you know like they obviously suffered a down year last year because of a lot of injuries they didn't win a postseason game they scored one run in those two games they went out very quietly to a you know a guardians team that wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire in the playoffs especially in that first round and the al east you know every team kind of got better in a lot of ways so it was easy to kind of count the rays out this year but this team you know, the second you think they're down, they come right back up. Uh, every single person on this team has been contributing greatly. I think, uh, well, I mean, they have Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, Josh Lowe, Harold Ramirez, and Luke Rayleigh that all have a weighted runs created plus above 200. Yeah. Uh, and at least 20 plate appearances. So, you know, those guys are obviously killing it. And then there's a bunch of other guys that are quite close to that as well. Right, and yeah. The offense has been among the best in the league, probably the best in the league. Uh, and 
we'll get into the teams they faced later, but I'll let you uh, get into more about them. Yeah, it's it's been it's been on all fronts. Uh, you know, they their team OPS plus or their team OPS is nine sixty seven. Their team OPS plus is one seventy three. They have seven guys with twenty plate appearances and an OPS uh, above a thousand. Um, it's ridiculous. And then yeah, on the pitching side, you know, you talked about uh, Jeffrey Springs last week. He had another great start. Uh, this past week, in which uh, he threw seven shutout innings, seven strikeouts. Um, you know, he's he currently has 13 shutout innings under his belt with a 1-4-0 fit. You could argue Drew Ma- Drew uh, Rasmussen has been better, as he has also 13 shutout innings, but a 1-0-9 fit uh, with zero walks um, and obviously uh, zero home runs. And then, yeah, Shane McClanahan's doing his thing with a 1-5-0 ERA. Um and yeah, like it's funny to see, like, yeah, Zach Eflin is bringing the, he's bringing the team ERA up, but it's still a three, <laughs> it's still a three two seven ERA and a two six seven FIP, uh, with a, with twelve strikeouts to one walk, um, yeah, so like, at, on all fronts, this team is dominating, um, and yeah, I you know it's, it's hard it's hard not to look at the schedule, but even, like, if you give it if you give any team the uh you know if you give your average team the a or not the a's but the uh, tigers the um the nationals and the a's if you give any team that they're gonna lose a, a you know a couple games and whatnot or maybe they'll win by one and not four every single time uh but you know considering how much they've been dominating uh it doesn't really matter who the teams are there's it's this is still a really significant story but what's going on in tampa bay yeah, um, they actually, as a pitching staff, they have the highest ground ball rate in the majors uh, at 48.3%. Uh, and it lo- I'm checking their outs above average right now to see if uh, the the infield has been doing well in that in that regard. Um, they rank, where are they ranking? Outs- oh, they actually rank 23rd with negative two. Well, that's fun. What is their, what is their uh, bat up against on ground balls? That's a good question. Because they obviously are giving up the most ground balls of any team. Regardless, I mean, ground balls are the best. Well, I mean, b- between the three most common types of batted balls, ground balls are the best ones to give up. Yeah. Obviously, pop-ups are the overall best, but you can't expect that for more than about, you know, 15%. Right. Yeah, the the leader in, in pop-up percentage is usually around 13% or something, which, you know, one out of every eight, and you're leading the league. Ground balls, meanwhile... Um, the league leader is going to have like a 70% ground ball rate as opposed to the league average of 45. Um, but yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, like the, the Rays are kind of showing us. The Rays, by the way, have a 198 BABIP against on ground balls. Interesting. Yeah. That is below the league. The league average BABIP on ground balls is 248, which is like not even close to, they're just like barely where it moved from last year. Yeah. It's a, it's a seven point increase, I think. Yeah. We'll see about it. We'll see where it moves. I think yeah. I do you, think you set the over under at two fifty, I think. Yeah, I do by the way think this is getting a little off track, but I do think uh we're going to see one of the the bigger offensive years in recent memory. Like do are we getting to twenty nineteen levels? I don't think so, but I think we're getting closer to twenty nineteen than we are to say twenty twenty one. Yeah. Where the league oh, where the the league OPS is around like Seven fifteen or so, I think it was. Yeah, I'll. Yeah, we'll put a we'll put a bookmark on that because I do want to maybe get 
get into that because there have been some weird fly balls if you mentioned yeah the one the one from uh the last night's game between the Padres and Braves on Sunday Night Baseball uh Hassan Kim hit a ball a uh a curveball off of Lucas Litke left-handed reliever that was in the dirt almost could have hit him it wasn't going to hit him but it was not not far off and he uh kind of golfed it into the Braves bullpen uh Eddie Rosario like tried to make the catch over the wall but he just missed it by a little bit it was a playable ball but you know that's not a pitch that you normally see getting getting hit out uh unless it's by like a John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge a Joey Gallo type yeah guys who max who whose max exit velocities are 120 yeah right uh, and Hassan Kim took that ball out yeah yeah it's um yeah, it can be very interesting. I was I was uh trying to look at the home run to fly ball ratios and whatnot. But going back to the Rays, I think like with why I, I technically put them as a sleeper team even though I had them third in the AL East, but I thought that they could break out and I'm not even saying necessarily they're gonna go out and win the division based on this nine game mm-hmm. uh based on this nine game sample. Um however, like what I was saying wh- why I was forecasting them to do a lot better than last year was, you know, the com- potential comebacks of Wander Franco, Brendan Lau, and that's what we've seen. Is we've seen Brendan, you know, Brendan Lau. He uh, has a 464 on base percentage at the moment. A 198 uh, weighted runs created plus. Yeah, 1036 OPS. Wander Franco has a 223 OPS plus, uh, 351 average, uh, 1157 OPS, and then yeah, and I pointed out the starting pitching too, which has been unbelievable outside of uh, Josh Fleming that one time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when you look at Springs, Rasmussen, McClanahan, Eflin, you know, they've they've shown why they're a real dangerous threat in the AL. And they're still waiting on glass now. And they're still waiting on glass now, yeah. Like, that Fleming Fleming will be put in the bullpen, and, and glass now will, uh, will come in, you know, maybe around May or something like that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's still more to come with the Rays. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they have in store because I know they start with the Red Sox tonight, which, you the know. For four. Yeah, for four. Yeah. Which they're not a, uh, you know, they're they're not necessarily a top contender, but they're also not the A's national. Yeah, the they're, they're going to be the best team that the, the Rays have faced. And yeah, yes, they faced the, uh, I had, uh, did you see my tweet yesterday about um, this subject? I tweeted a very important point that no one seems to be bringing up. Like, yes, they did face the Tigers, Nationals, and A's, but all three of those teams made the playoffs in 2012 <laughs> and 14. Yeah, like the what we're forgetting is the Rays took out Scherzer and Verlander. Yeah, and not the Mets. They took out <laughs> the, it was the Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers. They took out uh, you know prime Sonny Gray. Yeah, uh, AJ Griffin, J, uh, Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, with the Nationals or A's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bryce Harper, uh, yeah. Drew Storen in the bullpen closing it out. Yep, yep. Adam LaRoche. Right. Yeah, they silenced, they silenced the bats of of Josh Donaldson, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and prime Miguel Brandon, Cabrera, Brandon Moss. Uh, yeah, Brandon Moss. Yeah, Miguel <laughs> Cabrera in his triple crown season, actually. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Those are some great teams, but uh, but yeah, but yeah. Back to my actual point. Uh, yes, they played three of the worst teams in the majors. Like, there's no denying that. There's no, you know, I mean, there's no trying to spin that into like actually they're good. Um, at, at least at this point, you can't really do that. But 
Uh, the Rays did what they were supposed to against those teams. Not only did they do what they were supposed to, but they did it with an exclamation point. Like if we ran those series back and the Rays went six and three, they won. You know, they lost one game to each, or even seven and two. You're still saying, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah they did. They did. They did a good job. No, they went nine and zero, and scored an outrageous amount of runs and let up so few runs. Yeah, they're they're winning by an average of six point three runs. Yeah. Like they are, they are doing more than what they're supposed to against these teams. They are completely dismantling them. Right, and yeah, hypothetically, hypothetically, you go, not to dive into numbers or like numbers and odds, and you know, making this a probability class, <laughs> but it, the Rays were probably favored in every single single one of those individual games. But the odds that they'd string all nine together is low, and the odds that they'd string all nine together and also beat them by an average of more than six is extremely extremely low so they're providing they're they're providing a lot of optimism and uh you know luckily we'll have the opportunity to see them against the red Sox and then the blue jays on the road um which will be pretty cool uh you know seeing them match up with the you know a one of the uh top al east teams um over the weekend that'll be interesting to watch uh but we will uh, we'll have to wait until then. Yes, we will. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, they're very uh, yeah they're a very cool team. Um, you know, kind of flew into the season under the radar, but now they're on everyone's radar. Um, with uh with this crazy stretch. And uh, and yeah and um, but yeah the with the uh, statistics this year. Um, <coughs> yeah the. Home run to fly ball ratio is a little bit up from it, where it was last year. Um, and last year we were talking about the ball was kind of dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have you been? What have your thoughts been on the offense so far this year? It's been, I'd say, kind of where I where I'd like it to be. I mean, the league average OPS the last time I checked was like I think seven thirty. Uh, right now it's seven thirty five, so it's getting up there. Uh, it's probably going to be way up there by the end of the year. I'll have to. I wonder what it was in uh, April of twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, I'm going to check that right now because, you know, April is usually the most dead month for offense uh, because it's still cold out. Guys are getting used to, you know, getting into the full routine. Like, it's not surprising. Like, you remember in uh, 2021 where we were talking about, like, oh, my God, the league is a 233 batting average. All these launch angles are ruining the league. Uh, the league ended up at 244 last year. Yeah. It's funny because I don't think the shift ban is doing that much. Right. Uh, this the the number of singles hit per game is pretty close to where it was in the past. Uh, it's not like it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's just about the same level where it was in the past. Yeah. Few so years. So yeah. Um. And in, in terms of what the but the home run rate is pretty high. In terms of what uh yeah in terms of what the home run to fly ball ratio was in the full season of twenty nineteen it was, uh over 15% and it was 3% higher 3 percentage points higher than it was now but I am curious at what the April 2019 ones because obviously you know and especially in the northeast or the north where like you know with the Cubs playing or you know Detroit um it's harder for the ball to get out because it's colder ball travels a little slower um so the home run to fly ball ratio might be a little down yeah, so in 2019, the 
uh, March slash April home run to fly ball ratio was 14.4%. Right now in 2023, it's 12.4%. So, um, I mean, if we're just looking at general statistics, so the, uh, the league average in April of 2019 was 245. Right now it's 249. The league average OBP was 321. This year it's 325. The league slugging was 421. This year it's 410. So that's really where the big difference is. Yeah. Uh, the slugging is not as crazy, but also a 421 slugging league-wide for an April is pretty insane. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty cool with where it is right now. You know, it, it'll probably. I think the league OPS ends around 245-ish. Um, you know, I think my ideal, you know, spot would be between like 725 to 735, maybe yeah. 740. Yeah. I know in, uh, in 2021, it was like 727 or something. That's yeah. kind of 728. I, yeah. I liked, uh, I liked where that was at. Yeah. Um, yeah. League average ERA or wait, that's not the season. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, you know, interesting to look at as always, uh, what the league is doing but yeah the juice ball i don't know i don't want it back i I want i want whatever they were using in 2021 yeah that's kind of where i would like it it's the perfect yeah it's kind of it's the sweet spot it's the sweet spot because last year was a little too a little too soft in my uh in my eyes sure um all right do we want to get into the uh, players to highlight that we didn't do. I would like to talk Florida. about one other team real quick. Uh, yeah. The uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. Were, uh, you know, a, a team that I think a lot of people were high on at the beginning of the year. Um, I know Bailey, our guest for today, was pretty high on them. They are 6-4, and four, and they've only played the Dodgers and Padres. Uh, they've already played, I believe, eight games against the Dodgers. They have five more, and the next one is in August. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which is you now that's the fun of the new schedule, right? Yeah, less uh, division play. Um, so they're they're six and four, looking interesting. They're at the top of the NL West right now, actually. Um, and then, uh, did would you like to guess which position player of theirs has the highest F four? Um, that's a good question. It's certainly not Christian Walker. No, it's not. He is uh, one of the three or four hitters with a minus uh, on that on that stat. Uh, is it like uh? Jake McCarthy? It is not Jake McCarthy. He was at uh, zero, actually. Was it Perdomo? It is Geraldo Perdomo. <laughs> yeah, I cheated a little bit because I was That's on the fine. baseball reference That's page. That's fine. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo, I mean, he has a 600 BABIP. So that will not be sustained. But he is slashing uh, 438, 571, 813 for the 254 weighted runs created plus in 22 plate appearances. Uh, and he also has positive defense, so he's already at point six F four in twenty two plate appearances. Wow, which is very fun. Uh, Josh Rojas is right behind him, and then followed by Evan Longoria, Nick Ahmed, and Corbin Carroll, which is kind of everyone's top five for the for the yeah. Diamondbacks position players. Yeah, roughly yep. in that order. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's that's uh you know what everyone was thinking pitching wise. They actually don't look as great. Uh, they have a I believe an. ERA in the sixes on the season. They have a five two eight ERA, I believe. But you know, when you're facing the Dodgers and Padres, Dodgers and Padres, it makes sense. It's the fact that they are winning those games against this team. Yeah, they have a yeah, yeah. yeah but it, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very good sign. Um, what the Diamondbacks are doing in that division. I mean, 
it's sort of a preview of what they could be potentially doing in the next couple of years. And, you know, even this year, you know, we have, you know, there's six NL teams that will make the playoffs and, you know, the Diamondbacks, if they overperform, if they overperform just a little bit, they could sneak into a, you know, a playoff spot, you know, especially considering they just went over 500 in a 10 game stretch against, you know, the two big dogs of not only the NL West, but sort of the, National League as a whole. Not only that, but then I mentioned they're six and four. Like in a different world, they could easily be seven and three because they had that one game against the Padres where they gave up back to back home runs in the ninth to lose. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like they just played through the toughest part of their schedule and came out six and four. That's right. very encouraging. It is. It is very encouraging because I feel like that's where a lot of you know sort of outsider NL West teams. That's where they sort of fold. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. You know, this didn't happen. You know, granted, usually the Dodgers, they're like a, a June, July, August team. But, you know, they're a really good team. They have your James Outman thing is sort of almost coming <laughs> true right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, th- there's a James Outman thing happening. And, <laughs> and uh, but, the you know, the Dodgers look like a good team, but the Diamondbacks are still you know, able to hang with them. That's that's real that's a really good sign. Yeah, I mean you, you gave the example of like this is when teams kind of fold is when they're facing, you know, the tough part of their schedule. The team that I think of is the uh the twenty twenty one Mets where they faced the Dodgers and Giants in both of their series against them in four series in a row where it went like Dodgers Giants, Dodgers Giants or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, they, they kind of folded in that in that time span. Yeah, I, I think of like I feel like the Rockies have been that team like to just face the Dodgers and it just not go well. Yeah. Um, you know, in the middle of their season where maybe they're peaking out a little bit, but uh can't do that. Although I don't I don't have a specific example. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. but I feel I feel like this just happened when they just go on the road to Chavez Ravine and they just get swallowed up. But <clears throat> that's just that's more of a feeling. More of a feeling I have. Um but yeah the Diamondbacks uh you know I was tempted to put them in third place Daniel did put them in third place uh, for an NL West prediction, and yeah, that's looking like a good uh, a good bet at the moment. Um, although, yeah, the Giants—I don't know—I haven't kept up with the Giants too much. They had their 16-run game against the White Sox, but I they don't did. know too much else. Uh, Logan Webb has looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah as expected, as <laughs> expected. And then he had like—I think he had the most strikeouts on opening day, but he also gave up two home runs, uh, so his F4 like neutralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, do we want to get into the rest of our players to highlight? Yeah, obviously you already saw my how about that was Brian Anderson. Chris's slightly alarming uh, was Brandon Belt, and now you're going to see the rest of what we had to prep for this show. Yeah, I'll start with uh, my how about that, um, which was also Brian Anderson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't go. I definitely didn't go as deep as Daniel did. Uh, yeah, nine games, 370 batting average, 1227 OPS. That's what uh, the MLB.com page says. Fangraphs is at twelve twenty six. Yeah, it, they have some weird rounding stuff sometimes. Like his his uh, OBP and slugging should add up to twelve twenty seven. Yeah, right, right, right. But weird, yeah, weird stuff. I think my slightly alarming did the same thing actually, where it didn't add up properly. Right, right. Um, Anderson is also you know his expected numbers back him up. He's in the ninetieth percentile in expected slugging, ninety fifth percentile. Inexpected Woba, an 88th percentile in chase rate. 
Uh, he has a 20% walk rate and 19.1% chase rate. Uh, he ranks 7th in OPS in the league right now and 11th in walk rate. And uh, out of on 18 batted balls, 6 have been barrels. And out of the 310 hitters with 10-plus batted balls this year, Anderson's barrel rate ranks tied for 4th. Um, so he's seen the ball really well. Um, and along with that, making great quality hard contact along with contact uh, that can get him extra bases. And that's that's worked out for him. He has uh, three home runs already. Um, so, uh, yeah, Brian Anderson, once again, from both of us, getting a... I think April 10th has to be the earliest we've, uh, you know, both picked the same guy for players Pro- to highlight. Yeah, true. Between true. the, what, four seasons now that we've done it. Yeah, and what sucked is on the on those leaderboards, it was a lot of like guys you expect to see up there. Yeah, that is kind of the thing. Like, uh, like Mike Trout's up there, Aaron Judge is up there. You figured at this point there would be more Wander Brian, Franco. more Brian Anderson types, but uh, that's not. There the are case. definitely plenty of others. Yeah, uh, James Outman was a good candidate. Yeah, I just didn't want to do a Dodger for two episodes in a row. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to do it either. Yeah. Um, because yeah. Daniel did uh, Miguel Vargas last year. And, yeah, so there's Adam Duvall up there who I did last week. Matt Chapman, you know, you could do. But you could definitely do. You have to, you'd have he's to also an all-star. Deep. You'd also have to dive pretty deep into that one. I mean, he's been great for my F4 team, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Mike Trout, um, Brian Reynolds is, you know, they're both high-profile all-stars. Aaron Judge, obviously. Wander Franco has a high-profile. Glaber Torres, you know. He, he, you could do. That's a that would be a victory lap for me. Yeah, you could do. Um and yeah, Vladdy Jr., Randy Rosarena, Will Smith of the Dodgers, and then James Outman, and then Brian Anderson. So yeah. Yeah. That's where it kinda landed. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, not a lot of random guys quite yet. I'm I'm wait I'm waiting on them. Um I mean Adam Duvall is the most random guy, but we already did him. Um so yeah, uh so that's my how about that? What was your slightly alarming? My slightly alarming was Kyle Schwarber. Uh, definitely not a random guy at all. No. Although definitely a random guy to see at the bottom of the leaderboards. especially Very, very true. Especially at the leaderboards in walk rate. Have, after having accumulated a walk rate of double digits in each season he's played in coming into this year, Schwarber has a 2.6% walk rate this year. He has one walk in the nine games that he's played. Uh, overall, he is slashing 158, 179, 342, 522, although it maybe could be 523, but otherwise, uh, that is a 37 OPS plus, not very good. Uh, 23.1% of his batted balls this year are at or above 65 degrees. That is the highest rate in the majors. Almost a quarter of his batted balls go 65 degrees in the air wow. or higher. That's not good at all. Uh, another, I referenced outside swing percentage again. His outside swing percentage this year is at 40.7%, and his previous career high was 30.2%. So right now he's swinging at, he's chasing 10% more than he ever has in any season. Uh, his overall swing rate is 53.8%. His previous career high was 44.6%. When you're a prolific hitter like Kyle Schwarber is, swing less is actually better uh, because... You know, usually you put, you know, Kyle Schwarber usually puts good swings on the ball, and he is this year. He's still doing very well in barrel rate and, you know, uh, in expected slugging because he does, you know, hit a lot of line drives, uh, but other, or fly balls rather. But other than that, uh, he's not looked very good to start this year. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber. 
was slightly alarming. Um, yeah, he he kind of ebbs and flows sometimes, but when he flows, everybody notices, and uh, especially Red Sox fans. But uh, I understand to a degree for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, a quarter of batted balls going sixty five degrees, like sixty five degrees, is well beyond a pop up. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like a a a pop ups pop up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is pretty wild. Um. Yeah. So that does it for the players to highlight, and yeah, we will get into uh, a preview of the week ahead, uh, where I will be looking at series to watch over the next over the course of the next few days. Daniel will be looking at the day by day pitching matchups. Um. So yeah, for series to watch, we already have one underway. Um. And uh, yeah, there. I think there's a a, a crew of good solid interesting series uh you know east and east and west coasts um i think last last weekend yeah this this past weekend there was not really many great series but this upcoming week we got some good ones uh the one that already started is twins white Sox, um two teams that you know kind of preseason were looked at to be at around the same level and in the al central you know it kind of it's it's whoever really gets on a streak is gonna is gonna take that AL Central most likely. There's not really a yeah. clear favorite, a, a clear cut favorite like there are in a lot of other divisions. Um, then we have a playoff rematch: Guardians Yankees in Cleveland. Um, you know they made for a really entertaining playoff series last year. Um, you know it'll probably be similar t- uh, in this uh, in this series. Obviously the stakes are a little bit. Or, or a lot different, um, for sure. Another playoff rematch between the Mets and Padres. Um, Mets have been a little underwhelming at the start, um, but also have a lot of injuries right now. Uh, Padres just, I think, took the series from Atlanta, or did they not? They took three out of four. They took three out of four. So, yeah, Padres uh, coming off a really good series. They're going into Queens. Um, and then uh, the last series I'll just briefly highlight is... There, there's really only one time of the year where this would be relevant, because uh, yeah, the Pirates are hosting the Astros, and you figure, you know, Astros route the Pirates every time, but the Pirates are really doing well, and the Astros really are not. So who knows? Maybe you could see the Padre, the the Pirates, excuse me, take uh, like two out of three from the Astros if they're playing three games. Unfortunately, O'Neill Cruz. Uh, is going to be out for a long period of time. He had surgery today to repair a fractured ankle. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a this year return thing. I don't know if we have to wait till next year, but it's going to be a while for him, which really sucks. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Although I don't know, like it's a, it was considered a fracture, and like I don't know, I, I've heard break like a break is like better than a sprain. I'm no sports doctor, but yeah, yeah, it's it's not good news either way. Um, Daniel, what are the uh, the pitching matchups. pitching matchups you're looking at? So already underway today is uh, Dylan Seas versus Kenta Maeda. That game will probably be over by the time you're listening. But uh, Shane Bieber is pitching for the Guardians tonight against the Yankees. Uh, J.P. Sears and Kyle Gibson are facing each other in A's Orioles. Actually, a pretty interesting matchup. Framber Valdez versus Ronsney Contreras in Astros Pirates. Ronsney Contreras looked really good in his last outing against the Red Sox. Uh, 
Sandy Alcantara will be facing the Phillies tonight for the Marlins. That game is in Philadelphia. You have Graham Ashcraft facing the Braves for the Reds. Graham Ashcraft throws over 100 miles an hour. Luis Castillo is pitching for the Mariners in Wrigley against the Cubs. Uh, it's very fun seeing these you know, these weird matchups like Mariners-Cubs. Never forget the John Lester walk-off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Greinke and Andrew Heaney will be going against each other in Royals-Rangers. Uh, you have Steven Matz and Herman Marquez facing each other in Cardinals-Rockies at Coors. You have Wade Miley and Zach Gallen going for each other in uh, Brewers-Diamondbacks uh, in Arizona. Julio Arias versus Logan Webb in dodgers Giants matchup of the night comes from Padres Mets at City Field. It's Hugh Darvish versus Max Scherzer. Rematch of Game One of the NL Wild Card. That is correct. Uh, hopefully, it goes better for Scherzer. Yeah, he's been kind of struggling this year to start yeah. off, but yeah, I think he's given up a off. good amount of homers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and and it's good. Uh, you know, at the uh, at the start of the season here, we still get some, like, one-versus-one matchups. Yeah. Well, because Darvish went five in the rotation. True, yeah. So some of them are thrown off, but in mm-hmm. this case, it worked out. Exactly. Um, on Tuesday, you have Garrett Cole facing the Guardians. He's looked awesome in both of his outings so far. In A's Orioles, you have Kyle Muller versus Grayson Rodriguez. Grayrod looked awesome in his first start against the Rangers. Kyle Muller has looked pretty good this year as well. In Astros Pirates, you have Christian Javier versus Mitch Keller. You had a lot of good matchups on Tuesday. Uh, you have Shane McClanahan and Corey Kluber going against each other in Red Sox Rays. You have Jesus Lazardo and Aaron Nola going against each other in Marlins Phillies. You have Alec Manoa pitching for the uh, Blue Jays against the Tigers. You have uh, Chris Flexen and Hayden Wesneski facing each other in Mariners Cubs. That's going to be a fun one. You have Jacob DeGrom facing the Royals for the Rangers. That's going to be in Texas. Uh, You have Josiah Gray and Shohei Otani facing each other in uh, Nationals and Angels. That's going to be interesting. Uh, You have Dustin May and Alex Wood facing each other in Dodgers Giants. uh, You have Corbin Burns and Merrill Kelly in Brewers Diamondbacks. Matchup of the night, I did already mention it, but I think uh, I'm going to put Christian Javier versus Mitch Keller there. Yeah, do a couple it. of youngsters. I'm going to do it, Chris. I'm Watch out, folks. It. He's doing it. Yeah, they said I wouldn't, but here I am. Um, on Wednesday now, you got a... I'm kind of just looking through to see here. Oh, that's a good matchup. Yeah, that's matchup of the night. All right, so you have uh, Jose Arquini versus Rich Hill in uh, afternoon Astros Pirates. You have Tyler McGill facing for the Padres for the Mets. Lucas Giolito and Sonny Gray going against each other in uh, White Sox Twins. You have Logan Gilbert and Marcus Stroman facing each other in Mariners Cubs. Jack Flaherty and Jose Arena facing each other in Cardinals Rockies. Brandon Woodruff facing the Diamondbacks for the Brewers. Uh, Edward Cabrera and Zach Wheeler facing each other in Marlins Phillies. Mackenzie Gore facing the uh, Angels for the Nationals. You're going to have Chris Sale and Zach Eflin going against each other in Red Sox Rays. Eduardo Rodriguez versus Kevin Gosman in Tigers Blue Jays. Uh, Brad Keller and Nathan Ovaldi going against each other in Royals Rangers. Kershaw versus Alex Cobb in Dodgers Giants. And matchup of the night comes from Reds Braves in Atlanta. It is Hunter Green versus Spencer Strider. Yeah. I believe uh, both of them debuted in the same series against each other. Or not against each other, but at... uh, 
at Atlanta at the beginning of last season. Yeah, two. Uh, it's a it's a playoff rematch, and they're they both fran- both franchises are in the exact same spot as they were when they when they <laughs> did the when they uh, were in the playoffs together facing each other. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, not a whole lot is announced on Thursday. Uh, Cole Irvin will be facing the A's for the Orioles uh, in Camden. Uh, Corey Kluber will be pitching Thursday. He will not be pitching on Tuesday. Uh, it'll be him versus Jeffrey Springs in Red Sox Rays to close out that series. Nick Lodolo, who had 12 strikeouts against the Phillies on Saturday, will be facing the Phillies again, this time at Great American Ballpark. He actually has better numbers at home, so look out for that. Uh, there's no real matchup of the day for this day, but I'll just announce Spencer Turnbull versus Chris Bassett, two guys that have struggled this year, looking to turn it around in Tigers Blue Jays in Rogers Center. And Jordan Montgomery will be going for the Cardinals against the Pirates in St. Louis. And that is all I got. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a, a special episode of uh, Above Replacement Radio with um, Foolish Baseball in the house for us. Absolutely. Uh, loved having him. Um and yeah, it lined up perfectly because uh, around the time we usually record is is uh, when uh, he was available to to talk. So lined up well. Um, so we just recently did the interview. So it's really fresh, really fresh with us. Really good stuff. And um, and yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the uh, interview with uh, Foolish Baseball. Go to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio, and also catch all the other digital content we have, uh, video related. Um, also, uh, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.